it's already in the bloodstreams tonight already. So anyhow, y'all come on in and we will get started. All right, if you are here tonight and you did not have the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning and you need to do so, if you'll make your way back to the little chapel in the back of the foyer there, you'll be served at this time. All right, ready? Genesis.
tonight uh, we are glad that you're here we've got several visitors tonight we love guests here thank you for coming hope you'll come back and be with us anytime that you have an opportunity uh, Wednesday night we will meet again at seven o'clock uh, for our Bible classes and we'd love for you to come and be a part of that just a few announcements tonight before we go to class of course tonight as you can tell just 
okay? Uh, tonight is trunk or treat, and uh, you know what's going on tonight. Uh, we're going to go in an orderly fashion after class down to the annex, and of course you'll have some time to change into your costumes, the kids will, and uh, uh, there'll be a judging of three different age categories for the best costumes, so please remember that. Also, listen, listen, this coming Wednesday night we're having congregational singing, uh, grades two and under, you're gonna go to your regular classes, the rest of you will meet in the auditorium. Uh, if you've got a song selection, we appreciate Jeremy Jones for taking care of that and coordinating that, so please remember that. Men's Breakfast uh, is coming up this coming Sunday in the Annex. I assume that there'll be a sign-up sheet somewhere in the foyer for that. Also, uh, the cookbooks for Maywood are still back in the back. I hope you'll uh, purchase one of those for $15, and uh, that'll help Maywood. And, of course... I uh, hope you will read the bulletin. We have an opportunity to provide a little holiday cheer for 20 members of the 128th Military Police Company. This is John Tim's uh, group, and uh, the bulletin will explain the details of that. Now, as you can tell, tonight I'm Stephen Hodgen. So I want to really push Maywood. We, I know it's 10 months away, right? But we want to push Maywood. We're going to have a great month. And I can tell you that my month is the best month by far. My week is the best week, right? So I want you to make sure you make your plans to go to Maywood. All right. I'm going to close us out with a prayer. Our, our scheduled song leader was not able to be here tonight, so I'm going to lead a song for the teachers to go to class, okay? So will you bow with me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the day. We're so thankful for each one who's here tonight. We're so thankful that we can assemble to study your word, and we pray your continued blessings upon this church here and every member. And Father, we're mindful of so many that are sick, that need our prayers, that are recovering from various illnesses. Please help those individuals and bless their families, Father. And again, we always uh, ask you to comfort and strengthen those who are grieving over the loss of loved ones. Father, please bless us as we continue our efforts tonight. Continue to bless the leadership of the church here at Boonville. We're so thankful for our elders and the wisdom they have. Please watch over them and continue to bless them, Father. And also, Father, be with all those who are actively involved in advancing the cause of Christ here in our community. We pray your blessings upon them. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right, teachers, go to class first. They all help me. Jesus loves the little children, all the
those of you who have read through Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, how many of you just feel so much wiser today than you ever have in your whole life? Hey, look around you. There are several really wise people in here now. And I told you what would happen. You probably can't quite put your finger on it exactly when it occurred, but it has happened. And isn't it amazing now that you have entered into the realm of the wise? I just love it. So congratulations. God promised you that would happen and it has happened. And just so, so great. So I took note of many of you that put your hands up. I'll be seeing you a little bit later, tapping into some of that wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Beginning next Sunday, a new study. This study is going to go Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. You know, the short books of the Bible. No joke. Isaiah has 66 all by itself, 66 chapters, so... That's going to be a, another huge study, the major prophets. So look forward to that. Well, Ken, what would that entail? A lot more reading. Don't you just love to read? Yeah, we do, because it's the Bible. So we're reading the Bible and just getting so full of a lot of wonderful things. Okay. Uh, we're going to go over our sick list, and if you have some updates about people, appreciate you sharing that with me. And when I get to the end, if you have someone you would like to put on the list, we'll put them on there and be praying about them too. Irene Baker has terminal cancer. Austin Wentz undergoes treatments. He gets uh, a treatment about every other week. Pretty tough. Uh, Wade Davis is still missing. A year ago, June 22nd. Bobby Petty and Paul Rollison are friends of Joe Garrett's. They both have cancer. Lex and Regina Crossan have health problems. Marty and Donna Woodruff both have cancer. Eli Johnson's undergoing treatments for cancer. Ann Langford is Lisa Peake's friend. She's going through some rehab and um, supposed to get some information in a few weeks about how, how she's responding. Emma Hutton has Hodgkin lymphoma. Paul Nichols has terminal cancer now. Yes? You did. I'm sorry. Well, we prayed for a long time. All right. Well, we'll pray for that family. I'm sorry. Sharon Strickland has cancer. Grayson Miller has cancer. Linda Garrett's taking infusion treatments. Hopefully, she's at the end of hers. Barbara Foster has breast cancer. Remember the Woodrows, uh, Dave and uh, Lynette. Pray that Lynette gets a really good job with some insurance. Larry Muse is a friend of Joe's. He has cancer. Lennox Kenimer and Michael McBrayer are young children that have cancer. Sybil Tollison has Alzheimer's. Jeremy Owens is in recovery. Loxley Eaton has cancer. Joanne Roberts has neuropathy in her hands and feet. Eddie Kraft has cancer. Trevor Brown's brother Michael's undergoing rehab. Jayla Ross is making progress, very small progress, but it is progress, and we're very thankful for that. She's at Shepherd's Clinic in Atlanta. Sadie Downs is a local girl that has stomach cancer. She's been in the news recently. Susan Wood has breast cancer. Johnny Derrick has lung cancer. Monique Brown has breast cancer. Billy Martin's friend, Christy Nash, is very sick. Norma Hemwell's sick, and Joan's caring for her at her home. And Joan broke a foot, but you doing okay? She's fine. Break foot, fine. Oh, she is okay. Norma's going into the hospital tomorrow. She's not doing well at all. Joy Jamison's recovering at homes in therapy. Ron Lansdale has cancer. Lisa Griffin's mother's recovering from her surgery. Dennis Brown had a lung transplant and also heart surgery, and he's hanging out near Vanderbilt probably through Christmas. 
Reba Hughes is recovering. Terry Ross needs a liver transplant. Sean Crum needs a liver and kidney transplant. Junior Wilson has pancreatic cancer. Allie Johnson is undergoing chemo. Jonathan Bishop has extensive cancer. Billy Deaton was here today. Wasn't that great? Flora Warner is, uh, she was at the facility today, but she's on oxygen. That's uh, a difficulty. Pat Hall has cancer. Derek Timsfell injured his back, just recovering, doing okay. Mike Johnson had his surgery uh, back on the 23rd, recovering. Is he doing okay? Fair. Okay. Well, good. Let's intervene right now. Get good check. Jerry Ryan is Mickey Scott's friend, has last stages of cancer. Ken Wade is Tom's uncle, has a lot of health problems. Mary King also has a lot of health problems. That's Lisa Peake's friend. Brad Sloan has MS. Ben Roberts is dealing with some health problems. Um, what's happened with uh, Mary Sullivan? Anybody know? Well, that's uh, Wendy Long's mother. She had that heart cath. They were going to make some plans about what to do for her. Uh, Nicole Jackson's son, Levi, uh, being treated at Le Bonheur. Denise Martin's mother broke her wrist last week. Nathan Cox has serious health problems. Gail Lang's mother is 97. She had been like in the nursing home. She was not receiving adequate care. She's moved back in home with Gail. And Joey Pittman, he has injured his back. He's supposed to see a doctor tomorrow. You have anybody else? Does that look about right? <laughs> you want to move up here? <laughs> Close enough. Okay. All right. Yes, Milton. What's the name? Dylan. Dylan. Welcome. All right. Yes. I'm sorry. Well, to you, Joe, your friend, and to Rick, your relative, um, we did the best we knew to do for them, okay? We prayed for them, and we just trust God, don't we? 
But anyway, that's why we have this list. We pray for them. So let's pray together about these folks and we'll pray comfort for these families and then we'll begin our study. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for a great day today. Thank you for the many blessings that we've experienced, time of worship and fellowship, uh, lots of activities that we're involved in. It's such a, such a joy to see our children learning things up front there and being involved. And it's just a great place to be. And we thank you for this congregation. And I pray, Lord, we're, we're just aware of so much that's happening around us. And I pray that we'll be supportive of all of this. Uh, all of it, of course, we do for your glory. We want to see your church grow, be vibrant, alive here. We pray for these people who are sick, some of which have been on this list for a very long time. But Lord, we still persist because uh, we know that you hear our prayers and you sense our urgency in the situation, especially so many of these people dealing with cancer. We pray your blessings on Irene Baker and her family as she has terminal cancer and has just continued to live despite her diagnosis. We know that she suffers with pain every day. So we just pray that that can be relieved with proper treatment and she can have good days with her family. Pray for Austin Wentz, who's undergoing a long series of treatments for cancer. Bless the Davis family and Wade's disappearance and comfort them. We pray for Bobby Petty, who has cancer, and uh, we pray pray that he can get treatment that's going to help change the course of his diagnosis. We pray for uh, Paul Rollison's family and his passing. Um, pray your comfort on Joe, who's lost a good friend. And just pray, Lord, that you will um, touch these folks' lives, and maybe, maybe that's through Joe. We pray for the Crossons who have some health problems. We pray that they'll feel better soon. Be with Marty and Donna Woodruff who have cancer. Bless Eli Johnson who's so young and undergoing a lot of treatments. Pray for Ann Langford who's going through some rehab. And we pray that she'll do well and be with the doctors. They're trying to ascertain how well she is doing. Pray for Emma Hutton, who has cancer. We pray for Paula Nichols' family in, in her death. And especially we pray for Rick. He's part of our family here. And maybe just like with Joe, that Rick can represent you well and be in comfort to this family. Pray for Sharon Strickland and Grayson Miller who have cancer. Bless Linda Garrett that her treatments are soon to be a thing of the past and she'll be cancer free. We pray for Barbara Foster who has cancer. Bless the Woodrows that their days are going to be brighter soon. Be with Larry Muse, another friend of Joe's who has cancer and is very sick. Pray for Lennox Kenimer and Micah McBrayer and their families as they seek relief from cancer. Bless Sybil Tolleson, who has Alzheimer's, and use the ligands to be a support to her and her family or caregivers. We pray for Jeremy Owens in his recovery. Bless Loxley Eaton, who has cancer. We pray for Joanne Roberts that her situation will get better and she can have her sensation restored, either through therapy or some kind of medication. We pray for Eddie Kraft who's been battling cancer, be with Treva Brown's brother Michael and his rehab. Bless Jayla Ross that she will continue making progress from her terrible injuries so long ago. And we're thankful that she's doing better. Bless Sadie Downs, who's battling stomach cancer and so young. We pray for Susan Wood, who has breast cancer. Bless Johnny Derrick, who has cancer. Monique Brown, who has cancer. Billy Martin's friend, Christy Nash, who's very ill. We pray for Norma, who's very sick again and about to go into the hospital. We pray that uh, she can find some relief and be with Joan 
who despite her own injuries is tending to her sister. And sometimes that's a thankless job, but I pray that you will help her to persevere and know that her kindness and love is to be rewarded. We pray for Joey Jameson as he's recovering. Bless Rhonda Lansdale who has cancer. Be with Lisa Griffin's mother in her recovery. Bless Dennis Brown as he recovers and receives additional treatment at Vanderbilt. Pray for Reba Hughes in her recovery. Bless Terry Ross and Sean Crum that they can receive the treatments they need for uh, failing um, organs. Bless Junior Wilson who has cancer. Allie Johnson who is undergoing chemo. Pray for Johnny Bishop, Jonathan Bishop who has extensive cancer. We're thankful that Billy Deaton's doing better and it's just a, a great encouragement to see him here today. Bless Flora Warner that she will have good days and also bless Rick as he tries to encourage her and support her. Pray for Pat Hall who has cancer. Derek Timms who fell and injured his back. Bless Mike Johnson and his recovery and as, as he's waiting to hear back from test results, we, Lord, we just pray that he'll get good results. Be with Jerry Ryan and comfort this family, and especially Mickey. We pray for Ken Wade and his problems, Mary King, who has a lot of health problems, Brad Sloan, who has MS, Ben Roberts, who has some health problems, bless Mary Sullivan in her treatment, Bless Levi Jackson. Uh, pray that uh, if something has been discovered with him, it can be treated. We pray for Denise Martin's mother in her recovery from broken wrist. Bless Nathan Cox, who has some health problems. Gail Lang's mother, who's moving back with her. And all the complications that come with trying to care for her aged mother. Please bless Joey Pittman as he is recovering from an injured back, and we pray that he'll, he'll be back with us very soon. Be with Dennis and Dot Worley as they're trying to deal with lingering issues from an accident that happened quite a while ago. We pray for Francis Hutchison's son, Dylan, who has some health issues, and Lord, your will, we pray that he will be better soon. Uh, whatever the ailment is, we pray it can be properly diagnosed and effectively treated. Lord, please bless us tonight as we talk about really probably most complicated and difficult section of scripture that there is. And I pray that despite its difficulties that you, you in this process of our gaining wisdom have at least given us the ability to make discernments about things that we read and that we can benefit from at least the overall sentiment of this book. Thank you for the blessing of study and the encouragement to read more in our Bibles. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm having a warehouse sale tonight. <laughs> so if you need some lessons from the book of Job. Now, I think up until this point, I've probably made about 300 sets of them. Are there 300 people in here? No, not really, but it seems like it. I mean, keep making copies. If you never received uh, a set of the reader's guide and the synopsis to the book of Job, if you will raise your hand, I have five copies for people who have never had them before. Okay, um, can I get an assistant to hand those out? Rick, you going to do it? Rick's my lovely assistant tonight. These are the book of Job, and see how I have them separated? Each one is, that's one whole section. So that's all you do, hand them that. If you'll raise your hand, you will have information for the book of Job that will change your life. Uh, maybe not, but it could. Okay. Now, I also have the Psalms. If you did not receive the book of Psalms, to me, this one's worth the tuition for this class right here. It is a valuable document. 
Not only does he give you the reader's guide, but the synopsis is really helpful. And I told you what I like to do with it is when I study the book of Psalms, instead of just diving into a verse or two, I will maybe look back here at the indexing and look up some subject matter. Hang, hang tight there, Rick. Uh, and then kind of get a gist of where these things are found. Then read from the synopsis. I give you an entire description of the psalm in very quick form. That gives you an overview of the psalm. And then you can go to your, your verse and study it out. You've kind of got the big picture of the whole thing. I, I just find that very helpful. I hope that you do too. And if you did not get one of them, if you will raise your hand, my lovely assistant will get one to you. The second best document in this series is this one. <laughs> it is the book of Proverbs. And it's in similar fashion to how the Psalms was done. And the reason, the reason that there's all this detail to it for you is because I find these books, they're not, they're not easy to read in the sense that you're reading, say, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Well, with the exception of Leviticus, maybe. <laughs> Those books are narratives. They're just, they're telling a story and that's, that's usually pretty easy to follow. These, your subject matter changes very quickly. So this also has an index in it that can be very helpful to you. If you, if you do Bible studies or you like to do presentations for classes or whatever, this can also be invaluable to you. I'm sure you can find this material other places, but hey, this has got three hole punch. You just pop it in your book right there. Yeah? Uh, raise your hand if you have never received the book of Proverbs and you would like to have it. Okay. Here is the book of Ecclesiastes. It's very short, um, but I find it helpful as well. It's just one sheet. Uh, basically, the value of this is in the synopsis. So if you're not sure how this would be helpful is, I'm not real sure about the book of Ecclesiastes. I know it's, you know, Solomon's delving into things maybe he ought not have except for the purpose of sharing his findings with us so that we would not venture that way. And since he fell off the reservation anyway, <laughs> it seems to be pretty valuable. It's a conflicted sort of book, but the conclusion is powerful. In the end, we're best if we will just fear God and keep his commandments. Yes, nod your head this way. Okay, if you would like to, where are you going, Rick? If you would like, hang in there, buddy. Uh, if you would like the book of Ecclesiastes, please raise your hand. Now, I need two other helpers, please. <clears throat> Here we have the long-awaited but much-anticipated Song of Solomon. Here come my two helpers from the whole thing. Just give them one sheet apiece. Father and son duo. There's a beard with a beard. It's good. The Song of Solomon, I, I will just tell you, wasn't until I really became an adult that either I had interest in reading it or anybody ever even mentioned the study of the book of the Song of Solomon. There was a time when it was, it was like one of those forbidden books. I, I, it, I'm trying to go back in my memory a little bit and thinking back. And it seems like when I was a kid at the North Main Street Church of Christ. So if you're from North Main Street and you're watching this online, peace. But it seems to me I remember, you know, back in those days in adult Bible classes, when you came to the end of one like we're doing, they would say, well, what do y'all want to study next? Have you ever been in that class? What do y'all want to study next? Somebody say, well, let's study the book of Acts. Well, we studied the book of Acts uh, time before. Well, it's been a while, so, okay. So we studied the book of Acts a lot. But I remember, I, 
I distinctly remember somebody maybe from way in the back saying, well, let's study the, the book of Song of Solomon. I've never studied that one before. And it was shot down like immediately. Like, you know, it is, uh, we have a, a mixed audience right here and, and it is just, it is too steamy a book to study. When I heard stuff like that, you know what it made me want to do? I read the book of the Song of Solomon, find out what all the fuss is about. And then I remember, you know, getting that book out to read and then reading some of it and not getting it, really. I don't know. You ever gotten up to your loved one and told them about their dove eyes or how they reminded you of a fawn. There's a lot of language in there that just doesn't really translate to our modern way of thinking. There are, there are a lot of references to plant life and animal life that I have no experience with. And so when a beloved or the Shulamite is described in those terms, it's, it's just hard to get a sense of what's going on. Now, if you read it several times through, I believe you do get the gist of what is happening in the book. And I'm going to do my very best to describe that for you. I find it in those terms to be a very beneficial kind of study. And here's the thing, sometimes Bible books are very difficult. I mentioned the book of Leviticus. What we're about to enter into with Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel, Ezekiel, those are highly figurative in their language and sometimes that material is very difficult to follow. And it doesn't always follow in a logical chronological path like we are accustomed to studying. So there are a lot of things that combine to make studies difficult. And this book is, in my judgment, although it is eight chapters, which doesn't seem like very much, that it is, it is kind of difficult to gather. Early on, the Jews and the early church never talked about the book, the Song of Solomon, not until later did the Israelites start using the Song of Solomon in part of its celebration connected with Passover? The reason that they began to use it for Passover is that they began to transcend what was the, let's call it the, the obvious pattern that's on the page. The obvious pattern on the page is what most scholars believe to be a description of marital love or the love between two people, a man and a woman that grows and enters into a married relationship. And then as the years pass, the difficulties that are taken up in a marriage and then ultimately the resolution that comes and the joy, the celebration of marital relations. Well, you've got that the Jews were like many, I guess, who were in those Bible classes in years ago who thought that was kind of risque. I don't get that. But ultimately, with enough study, people came to understand that, you know what, there are several levels to that, that kind of language. One is just very literal. And the second is, hey, what about this? And think about its connection with Passover now. What if what this is really doing is Solomon's way of describing the relationship that God has with his own people. Because there is the anticipation of relationship and finally being in fellowship with one another. And then there is the, the passion and the closeness, the abiding love that is experienced. And then there come hardships and separation and ultimately we come back together and we're reunited and everything's okay. Maybe the Israelites thought that's what's going on here. And so they began to incorporate that. What we've come then to gather in the Christian age as we revisit 
the book Song of Solomon is very much the same, except that we take it from a disconnected image of God and Israel so much as just God and his people, which then would apply to any age. But especially for us now, we then make the connection between the marital expression of love that's found in this book and of, of the oneness that is experienced in marital relations and then ultimately the connection between Christ and his church, right? And if ever there were a more understandable depiction of that, that would be Ephesians 5, right? where you have the description of Christ and his church, the love that he has for her, even to die for her, and its comparison with a husband and a wife. We take that and we run with it and talk about the closeness, and we could go either way. We can use marriage as the example, and then we connect what we know about marriage, healthy marriages to Christ and the church, or we go in reverse. We talk about God's ideal for the relationship between Christ as the head and the church as the body, and then here's how you ought to be in, in your marital relationship. Well, that seems to be, there's a, there's a consensus there about probably what was going on here. There is a story to tell, but then that story has several different levels to it, and part of it has to do with God's love in his relationship with Israel, his wife. Uh, there's a lot of, oh man, there's a lot of opinion about what's going on in this book. The very first verse describes this as being Solomon's, okay? In fact, uh, verse number one I have up there on the screen for you, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Whose song is this? It's not a trick question. Yeah, those of you who are wise have already read the other books. Yeah. So that cl clearly, this is one of Solomon's songs. Anybody remember how many songs he wrote? 1,005, correct. Whoever said that, uh, you won a prize. 1,005. Solomon says, at the, now, wait, stop. By the way, how many of those songs do we have recorded? Well, there were 1,005, but we have this one. We have this one. This one says it is the song of songs. What does that tell you about it? It's the best. It's the number one. It's the ultimate. It's the ultimate. Now, when you read through this, and maybe your Bible does this for you. I don't know. On the sheet that I gave you on the back side, there's a little bit of a breakdown that I think, I hope, will help you to understand what's going on in the book. Part of, part of the difficulty in reading this is that it's like there is communication that's going on throughout the book. And it's hard to keep clear who's actually doing the speaking. Now, that one that I've given you on the back of the sheet or the one that is actually going to be printed in your Bible, I know that my Bible does this. Uh, in fact, right here, look. Uh, see the Shulamite there? Okay, that's not in the original text. What someone has done is come back and added those so that you have an idea of who's speaking when. Okay, that's going to happen there. The daughters of Jerusalem, Shulamite, daughters, you see, to her beloved, the beloved, daughters of Jerusalem, the Shulamite, you confused yet? So what you've got, any of you ever, any of you ever act in a play in school? Nobody, okay, let me think of another illustration. Okay, Joan did. Joan, let me talk to you. <laughs> It was, it, was a, it was a while ago. <laughs> Could you give us a little taste of it? No, stop. Okay, so uh, that's, that is what, that, you remember when you were in school and they gave you a part. So they gave you the sheets, they had the little name up there, and then they had the speaking part that you would do. And so when your part came up, you spoke and Maybe you memorized it or whatever, and then on the day of the show, everybody got in position, and they started the thing off. You, got, you, read, 
read or recited your lines. It was a play. It was a very interesting play. A lot of scholars believe that the song, it was, a, it was poetry in the sense of a song, but the idea is it was like, it was like an opera. It's not an opera, but I'm trying to give us a sense of what it would be like. In that, there, there will be someone who has primary speaking, probably singing that out or whatever, but a primary speaking part, and then there is a response to it. So there's the going back and forth of a story that is unfolding. The story goes something like this. There is the beloved... And uh, Jim and I were talking last time. Jim had a theory about who that is. And we could take Jim's theory, which was a good one, and we could put it in a bucket with about 500 others. <laughs> I mean, people are like, who is this? Is this Solomon? Maybe it's not Solomon. Solomon wrote it. But maybe Solomon's talking about an event that he's privy to, and he's put it into this beautiful, elaborate, um, like a play or an opera. He's put this together. It's an amazing production. But what is the production about? Because I'm just going to tell you, even with all this help, where you're getting prompts about who might be speaking when, the fact is, it's easy to get very confused, and especially the language takes us in one direction or another. So the basic premise of this thing is that you have the Shulamite and her beloved. Some think it's Solomon. It could have been a shepherd. It could have been, could have been anybody. But we have a man and a woman who are very much attracted to one another and want to get married. In fact, she has become betrothed to him. And boy, they just, you ever been young? You remember how you felt? No, some of you have never been. I saw you shaking your head. No, I've never been young. But there, I've heard that there are young people who when they think about getting married, just the feelings and the, just, you know, I, I, I would quit my job so I could just hang out with her all the time. It's just like, oh, I'm just intoxicated with love. That is the picture here, except the woman continues to say, no, we're going to wait, we're going to wait, we're going to wait. The frustration, the desire to be together is so great that one night she goes to sleep and she has this dream. She has a dream that she can't find her beloved. And so she goes about the whole city looking for him, so desperate to find him. The guards in the city actually help her and finally he's found, oh, joy. And she wakes up and she says, oh, it's almost like she's just flushed, like, oh, I just wanted him so bad, but we're still gonna wait for the wedding. That's scene number one. Scene number two is the marriage and the anticipation of the wedding night. All that they had been waiting for is finally upon them. And the love that he has for her and how he sees her is just the most beautiful image of womanhood that's ever existed. So he just has that incredible passion for her and is reciprocated in her as well. And she describes herself as anticipating that moment when she can just give herself wholly to him. They become married and they enjoy the passions of wedded bliss. That's scene number two. Scene number three, things aren't going so well. They've been married a while. We don't know how long. But, you know, after the passion kind of wanes a little bit and Real life sets in, they start arguing, and she refuses him. Wink, wink, if you know what I mean. As a result of that, he says, I'm out of here. She falls asleep and has the second dream. In this dream, again, she is frantically searching for her beloved in the city. But she feels so guilty because she's the one who's precipitated this crisis by her withholding herself from him. And so she wants to find him and make things right, but she can't find him. The guards, the same guards that helped her before, now take her and beat her up. 
Many scholars think that this quote-unquote beating up is her own conscience, just wearing her out. How could you have done this to what was a perfect relationship? So finally, she wakes up from her dream. She finds her beloved, and they live happily ever after. Take your bow. <laughs> That's the story in a nutshell. It is a beautiful, passionate description of married love. And I wanted to, we have just a minute here. I wanted to share with you um, the last section here that is considered to be like the most, yeah, here it is. Okay, this, this is considered by many to be the most beautiful description of love between a husband and a wife in recorded history. The Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. There's your song of Solomon. Yes, Marilyn. Solomon wrote it. We can find clues to say a lot of different things about who it's concerning. Probably is, but I don't know that for sure. But that's kind of, to me, that's what helps the mystery of it. Solomon, was, Solomon wasn't famous for his monogamy. 700 wives, 300 concubines, okay? So if this is his love for one woman, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm uh, just going to have to give you a piece on that one, okay? Let's have a prayer and then we'll, we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for the event that's coming. We just pray our kids to have a good time. We can have a good time. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the blessing of your word. Uh, thank you for what this book represents. It's, it's beyond reach in some ways, but we can get the sentiment that's expressed there and help us to benefit from that, whether that's literally in our own relationships, whether that is in our relationship with the church and with you, just empower us to be the wise people that we sought out to be and to use these books and these teachings to better our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.